Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. But you need to understand, too, the most important thing that you and I need to consider very first off as believers is the heart and mind of Christ toward another individual. Did they do you wrong? Did they do something really, really bad wrong to you? Let's deal with that. But first of all, where is your heart before the Lord? Let's lay that aside. Where is your heart before the Lord? Because if your heart is not right before the Lord, you could sue, in essence, until the cows come home, and you're never going to be satisfied. In today's message, Pastor David teaches from 1 Corinthians when Paul admonishes the believers against suing one another. Those in the church were not acting any different than anyone else, and instead of seeking reconciliation, they were dragging each other into court. As followers of Jesus, Christians should treat each other much differently. The question becomes, are we willing to surrender our disagreements to the Lord? Perhaps God can orchestrate reconciliation where there's been hurt. Now here's Pastor David with part one of today's message entitled, Do You Not Know? Tonight's going to be another PG-rated, just to let you know. Paul is dealing with sexual sin within the uh, church in Corinth, and so we're going to be dealing with some areas in here, just an FYI for that and a heads up. Usually when somebody asks the question or makes the statement, hey, didn't you realize? Don't you know? Didn't you consider this? Don't you or didn't you understand? That's usually not a positive thing, okay? They're, they're usually saying that very thing because they are, in essence, saying, apparently, you didn't understand or consider or know or realize because of the actions you took, because of the words you said, whatever it might be. After you've burned your mouth on a piece of pizza, right out of it came, right as it came out of the oven, and your mom or your wife, as the case might be, says, didn't you know that just came out of the oven? As you're you know, hoping for sympathy, and yet you realize you did something really crazy. You try to sue the fast food company because you spilled a hot drink in your lap as you're trying to multitask through traffic and drink your coffee at the same time, and the court tells you, hey, Didn't you know you ordered a hot drink? Think about it. You suddenly realize your bank account is uh, overdrawn and you're trying and you're getting all these insufficient funds and overdraft charges and you try and throw yourself on the mercy of the bank. uh, And they said, hey, didn't you consider the fact that if you spend $600 a week and you only put $500 a week in, you're going to have problems eventually? Didn't you understand? Didn't you know? Those kinds of questions... If I weren't very gracious, we could insert the little word, duh, didn't you know? Those come about because, again, that idea of common sense. You know, common sense is not as common as it used to be. 
Uh, as a matter of fact, it's becoming a very rare creature in the world today. However, as we go back 2,000 years to the first century, to the church in Corinth, we realize that common sense probably wasn't real common even back then. We're in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I invite you to turn there. Here in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, the Apostle Paul, he asked the church there, do you not know six different times in only 20 verses. So again, come on, guys, get a clue. You almost feel the the frustration in Paul's writings as he's writing to them, bringing in this idea. I think that there was probably a whole lot of duh uh, in the mindset of Paul as he's writing this thing out. The first duh that we come to is actually in verses uh, 1 through 8. In chapter 6, 1 Corinthians And he begins, dare any of you having a matter against another, go to law before the unrighteous and not before the saints? Duh. Don't you know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world will be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Duh. Don't you know that we will judge the angels? How much more things that pertain to this life? If you then have judgments concerning things pertaining to this life, do you appoint those who are least esteemed by the church to judge? I say this to your shame. Is it so that there's not a wise man among you, not even one who will be able to judge between his brothers, but brother goes to law against brother and that before unbelievers. Now, therefore, it's already an utter failure for you that you go to law against one another? Why do you not rather accept wrong, and why do you not rather let yourself be cheated? Oh no, you yourselves do wrong and cheat, and you do these things to your brethren. You know, there's already been this great division within the church at Corinth. We've already talked about that. They had these loyalties to personalities, and in those loyalties to personalities, it brought division in the church. And Again, we, we've talked about church divisions as we've gone through 1 Corinthians. What a horrible that thing that is. Now, as I shared, I believe just a couple of weeks ago, in our culture, church divisions are really strange. I mean, if, uh, and I'll pick on you guys for a second. If you guys get mad at me, you go and leave and you start another church. If you guys get mad, you go and leave, you start another church. You guys get mad, you go and leave and start another church. But you know what? They didn't do that in that day. It was all one church. So what they had is underneath the one roof is a bunch of divided hearts. And, you know, there there was division right in and within the fellowship. And that's what Paul is fighting about. Man, you guys are already divided. Now you're suing each other. Are you kidding me? Don't you know? Uh, Rather it be a business deal that went bad or an arrangement, some kind of financial assistant that didn't work, either it be personal arguments in reference to family, whatever it might be, a portion of the body of Christ there in Corinth, they were taking the opportunity to be able to sue each other before the civil courts. And gang, with all due respect to our current civil courts, the civil courts of that day were not civil at all. As a matter of fact, you you could buy your way in. I know that we can't do anything like that today. Never mind, we won't go to politicking. But Paul is telling him, go to your brothers and your sisters in Christ first. Deal with it in-house. Deal with your issues with each other in this attitude of love 
And possibly, gosh, think of this, reconciliation. What a concept. Rather than suing somebody, how about working to be reconciled? Yeah, but he wronged me. Yeah, but you don't know what she did to me. Oh, well, get over it. Get over it. And I think that's Paul's kind of attitude on that. In Christ, we need to be willing to be wronged in some areas. And we'll talk about some other stuff in a moment. But dealing with our issues with that idea of love, that idea of reconciliation, not retribution, not vengeance, but, but their hearts were wrong and, and their actions were wrong. He reminds them of, of, of something of which they should have been completely familiar. He says, duh, do you not know? The saints are going to judge the world. That's the unbelievers at the end of the time. And if the world will be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge even the smallest matters? You see, there should have been this maturity already, this, this growth happening within the spiritual lives there in Corinth. They were a congregation that was a number of years old at this point in time. They should have come to that point of being able to understand and deal with these things. But again, just like he told them back in chapter 3, they're, they're not acting like spiritual people. They're still carnal. They're still babes in Christ. And that's what Paul is having to deal with them at that point in time. And gang, when somebody says, you're a babe in Christ, unless it's some teenager talking to some female teenager, it's not a positive thing, okay? It means that, man, you you are still too young in Christ. You're, You're like a baby in Christ. Paul explains to them that it's not only were they going to judge the things of the world, but they were also destined to judge spiritual things. Look what he says in verse 3. Duh, don't you know that we're going to judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life? Again, they should have been growing in that spiritual aspect of their lives, yet apparently they were missing completely on that. Somehow and in some way, gang, and I, and I don't really know how to explain it to you because there's not a whole lot of clarification within the Word of God, but somehow and in some way, the saints are going to have a part of the judgment of the world and, yes, even fallen angels. Now, that's a spiritual responsibility that far exceeds the necessity of judging the actions of one another during our time on the earth. Man, you're talking, no, now we're, we, we're ramped it up quite a few levels. Now we're judging spiritual things. Now we're judging eternal things. And you can't deal with the fact that uh, they didn't pay you back the $30 or because of what they said or some other small infraction that, again, the church seemed to be taking people to court on a continual and regular basis. What a poor representation, that is, of the testimony of Christ within their lives, within the life of both the one that's being sued as well as the one that's bringing the lawsuit. What's going on with you guys? Paul explains to them, if these things come to a point of needing an outside arbitrator, why don't you look for somebody within the church, somebody with that same eternal outlook? Bring it before another brother. Listen, I know that in this world, Things happen that that are just absolutely outrageous. But you need to understand, too, the most important thing that you and I need to consider very first off as believers is the heart and mind of Christ toward another individual. Did they do you wrong? Did they do something really, really bad wrong to you? Let's deal with that. But 
First of all, where is your heart before the Lord? Let's lay that aside. Where is your heart before the Lord? Because if your heart is not right before the Lord, you could sue, in essence, until the cows come home, and you're never going to be satisfied. You're never going to be at peace. You need to be at peace first. Then go from there. Paul continues on. He says in verse 4, he says, If then you have judgments concerning things pertaining to life, which at times we do, He says, do you appoint those who are least esteemed by the church to judge? In other words, are are you going to take it to an unbeliever? You got two believers here dealing with an issue. He says, I say this to your shame. Uh, Is it so that there's not a wise man among you? Not even one who'll be able to judge between his brethren? But brother goes to law against brother. May I back up for a moment? Verse 6, but sister goes to the law against sister, and that before unbelievers. In verse 5, Paul's placement of that word translated shame, he puts it right in the very front of the sentence. And again, it brings more emphasis on that idea of humiliation and, and shame. It's, it's much like what we would say today. Shame on you guys. Shame on you. Because of the way you're acting. You're acting just like the world, and you're supposed to be different. You're supposed to be different in the world, and you're definitely supposed to be different toward each other because we are all a part of the body of Christ. You see, it's cancer that comes against the rest of my body. It's cancer within me that goes and destroys. And you see, that's what happens within a fellowship when when brother and sister, sister and brother, brother and brother, sister and sister suddenly become in that kind of an antagonistic uh, relationship with each other and lawsuits start coming. The Greeks were known for their litigious mindset. Uh, uh, of the ancient world, the Greeks probably more than any other culture of its time seemed to thrive on taking each other to court and many times over the most foolish and the mundane of things. Uh, Warren Wiersbe talks about the fact that a Greek playwright by the name of Aristophanes had one of his characters in one of his plays look at a map, and he was asking, well, where is Greece on this map? And somebody came up and pointed it out to him. He says, oh, that can't be Greece. I don't see any lawsuits going on. It was that kind of a mindset. And folks, it would appear like the United States, we're falling right in line with the Greek culture in a lot of different ways, and not too many of them positive. The cases set before, listen, the cases set before the federal court range in the hundreds of thousands a year. And while in the state courts, it's well over a million lawyers representing over 12 million lawsuits every year. Every year. And beloved, I don't think it's much difference in the outside world than it is within the church. And just as the church at Corinth, they were following the pattern of the secular world, we see the same thing happening in our culture today. Believer suing believer, congregation suing uh, the church, uh, churches suing each other. Uh, I think Paul could have and would have said the same thing to us today. Shame on you. Duh. Don't you know? Do you know what your position is in Christ? And you see, that's the thing that I want us to get out of this whole thing, is the, the, the reality of our position in Christ. Because our position in Christ and our commitment to him 
and our surrender to him ought to be that that impacts decisions that we make. You think? Duh. And so that when these situations come up, man, the first thing I think of is, Lord, what would you have me to do? Not what I heard my neighbor did or what uh, is going on down the street or what the court even allows. Paul is astonished that not even a single person among that fellowship of believers in Corinth were wise enough to stand as a judge in those kind of matters. So they took the matters before unbelievers. But there's also another issue that, that's at stake here. In verse 7, he says, Now therefore, it's already an utter failure for you that you go to law against one another. Why do you not rather accept wrong? Why do you not rather let yourselves be cheated? No, you yourselves do wrong and cheat, and you do these things to your brother. That's not a very popular teaching. I don't know if you understand that. Somebody comes into the pastor's office and said, this and this and this happened with so-and-so and so-and-so. And okay, why don't you let yourself be cheated and just turn that over to the Lord? <laughs> I'm getting me a new pastor. <laughs> why don't you let him go ahead and wrong you? Surrender that to the Lord. Let the Lord, you know what? The Lord will do a much better job at vengeance than you or I could ever. The Lord can bring his conviction into somebody's life when all you and I do is continue to increase anger and antagonism and division. The Lord does so much better at these things. Paul had this ongoing attitude. I know it's kind of crazy. Maybe some might think it's rather foolish, but Paul had this ongoing attitude that he was dead in Christ. And you see, so allow God to be my defense. I'm I'm dead. Allow God to be my avenger. There's nothing that I can do. He felt that was the way that the Lord would have us live our lives before each other. Now, and again, I want to throw in here, this is different than dealing with the world. This is dealing with fellow believers. But how do we take the same concept and bring it into the world situation? The Word tells us that the Word would be as wise as serpents, but as harmless as doves. Are there situations and reasons why we need to bring charges against someone or bring a lawsuit against someone? I fully understand that there will be those things. But beloved, make sure your heart is right. Make sure you go with the understanding and the attitude of, man, I can sue them. I can get $150,000. Yahoo. Or, hey, I'll sue them because I heard somebody else sued them. They got a million dollars. I can sue them, and I can get maybe half that much, if not twice that much. Is that the attitude of Christ? No, but yet I hear that in the hearts and the minds of way too many believers. Way too many believers. Am I willing to surrender these things to the Lord? Many of us could probably bring up issues. We could bring up circumstances where it'd be right. It'd be the only possible thing to do, even to bring another Christian into the court of law. But I believe that Paul's statement is, is, is so strong here as far as our part of being willing to be wronged and even cheated. The, the question has to come before each one of us concerning these things. Where is God in the midst of the action that I'm about to do? Where is God? Have I, in essence, as 
um, and this was years and years ago, a friend of mine that was a Christian used to wear a big cross, and he had to deal with an issue face-to-face. It wasn't going to be a pleasant issue. And he says, here, I better hide this for a minute and put it in his pocket. As he went. I, was, I was pretty young, and so was he. I thought, that's not right. But you know what? I see that in the hearts and the attitudes of believers, adults even today. Oh, maybe not wearing a big cross, but suddenly Christ is asked to step out of the situation while I deal with this in the flesh. And that's what Paul is saying. Come on, guys, you ought to be mature enough right now to be able to deal with this in spiritual ways where God can be honored and glorified through it, and perhaps reconciliation can take place rather than suddenly, yeah, I won, I won. Sometimes we win, but we lose in the end. What Paul is telling us is that all too often the path we we take leaves God totally out of that equation. As a matter of fact, he says, you yourselves, you do wrong and cheat, and you do those same things to your brothers. But let's go on. Down in verse 9, he says, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus by the Spirit of our God. It's quite a list that Paul gives here. And once again, uh, I don't want you to feel too comfortable about the fact that maybe your own secret sin isn't listed here, because again, I I believe uh, that he lists everybody's sin when he starts out and says, the unrighteous. I think he hits on everybody at that point in time. As we look at the list, it's fairly easy to see that uh, some of these sins, they're on the outside, and some of them, uh, people can be very guilty of them and it'd only be on the inside. I don't need to go through and give definitions and descriptions of any of these sins. I believe that you all understand and know what's going on here. And so we move on with simply that it's just because the outside of a bowl is clean does not mean that the inside is clean. And Jesus dealt with that on many, many occasions. You see, the Pharisees look really good. They look really righteous, really, really religious dudes on the outside. But Jesus says, no, you guys are like whitewashed tombs. You're just full of dead men's bones. It's, you're rotting and you're stinking on the inside. You may look all good and painted up on the outside, but there's nothing good on the inside. And it's the same way here. Just because it's an internal sin, it's a, what you might consider a secret sin or a, a sin of the thoughts or the mind rather than the actual sins of uh, actions, or we are guilty of both of these. The primary issue Paul is speaking of here is that one of continual abiding and unrepentant sin. We look at the sin list up here, and at any point in time, we could say, even as Jesus said, hey, if you've thought about this in your own mind, you've already committed the sin. Well, then we continue to be guilty at that point in time. But what Paul is speaking about, this was your lifestyle. This is who you were. This is what defined you. But you know what? Now you've been washed. You've been justified. You've been sanctified by the Lord. So he's making that clear distinction. The first five of the list are sexual sins, including even the placement of idolater within that list of those first five, since most of that pagan worship during that time included some form of sexual sin or sexual perversion. 
That's all the time we have for today on The Open Word. We hope today's message has touched you. Pastor David Landry will continue teaching through the book of 1 Corinthians on the next edition of The Open Word. But right now, we'd like to share with you how you can hear more from Pastor David. Just visit TheOpenWord.com and click on Teachings to hear or download past messages. You can also get in contact with us with any questions you might have or let us know how we can be praying for you on your faith journey. You can also connect with us on Facebook. We are thankful you've listened to today's message but want to make sure that this isn't your only source of spiritual nurturing. We encourage you to find a church family who will help you grow in your walk with God. If you're in the Casa Grande area, we'd love to have you join us here at Calvary Chapel Casa Grande. Here's Pastor David with more information. Hey, thanks, Chris. I'd like to personally invite you to join us here at Calvary Chapel Casa Grande for a time of worship and fellowship and studying the Bible. We meet every Sunday at 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock in the morning and on Wednesday and Saturday evenings at 6.30 p.m. You can find our address and directions by visiting theopenword.com and following the links to our church page. I look forward to meeting you in person and sharing this journey of faith with you. Thanks, Pastor David. That's all the time we have for today. Be sure to tune in next time for another edition of The Open Word.